helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Everyday Americans, Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. I'm glad you could join me today. Uh, today, it's interesting. We're talking about, well, see, impeachment. See, there are two ways to remove an elected official from office. You can vote them out in the next election, or you can impeach them. At least that's the way we do it here in the United States. Now, while elections occur regularly, impeachments do not. I, I believe that's part of the reason for the rarity is, well, we don't understand the process or the purpose of impeachment. So when it happens, it becomes big news. But are impeachments effective? Or as Thomas Jefferson once said, impeachment is not even a scarecrow. Sure, Richard Nixon resigned from office because he was facing impeachment. However, Bill Clinton was impeached and Donald Trump was impeached twice before leaving office, yet neither of them were convicted in the Senate. Before going on his Christmas break, House Speaker Johnson endorsed a formal impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden and his allegedly illegal activities with his family. This was an important step for those who wish to see Mr. Biden impeached, but will it be effective? Now, there's a move to impeach the Secretary of State of Maine for her removal of Donald Trump from the primary ballot in the state. So, just how important or effective is the impeachment process? That's kind of our discussion for today. I have some examples, some things I want to look at, but I've also got an interesting interview that uh, I think will shed some light on uh, the impeachment process and some of its history. Now, the one thing we need to remember is that most people are generally familiar with the federal impeachment process, not so much with the fact that each state also has an impeachment process. And while they're very similar, generally, they're not exactly the same, right? So the, the process, the numbers, the details may vary if you're talking about imp impeaching a state official as opposed to the a, a federal office holder. And speaking of federal office holders, Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution says the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, I, I want to make sure we explain a couple things. So you got the president, vice president, and all civil officers. You don't impeach um, a member of the military. You think the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff has acted improperly. Uh, impeachment is not an option for him. Now, where is impeachment an, an option? Well, obviously, civil law, right? The president, the vice president, basically anyone in the executive branch. But there's another that's not quite as obvious. See, Article 3, Clause 1 says the judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. Well, if they behave badly, how do you remove a judge, whether it be of the Supreme or inferior courts of the United States? The answer is we impeach them. We go through the same basic process of impeachment that we would for any civil officer of the United States, or I guess any other civil officer, right? Because they're not part of the military. So the offices these the judges hold are 
civil offices. Now, a question comes up. Can you impeach a member of Congress, member, member of the House, member of the Senate? Because remember, both the House and the Senate have the ability to um, punish their own members, but what about a, uh, an actual impeachment? Because we're going to see a little later, impeachment has, has some special uh, um, consequences, potentially. Now, the Constitution only says that civil officers, so the question is, is a member of Congress a civil officer of the United States? And I would say yes, and I would say there's, there's precedent to that fact that uh, uh, courts have, said, have, have treated um, members of Congress as civil officers and said they could be impeached. And if memory served, I believe they, attempt, they, they, I believe they actually impeached a member of Congress back in the 1800s, but don't hold me to that. that, that that's a little fuzzy. But what we're talking about today, the examples we use today really involve, again, the president, um, the secretary of state of a state. And of course, we've talked in the past about, well, the secretary of state of the United States, the attorney general, other members. And of course, there's frequent calls for impeachment of uh, uh, members of the Supreme Court, generally for political reasons. And, And part of it is we don't really understand the process. A lot of people hear the word impeachment and they think once someone's impeached, they're done. That's not how it works. So um, Article 1, Section 2 says, the House shall have the sole power of impeachment. Only the House of Representatives can impeach anyone. But again, that impeachment is, it's an indictment. It's an accusation. It is not the actual removal from office. It's, it's an accusation. Because under Article 1, Section 3, we see that the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. So the House accuses and the Senate decides. Now, there's some special tweaks, right? Because when, when, you know, when sitting for that purpose, they shall be on oath or affirmation, meaning the Senate becomes the jury. They're under oath. Um, and it's also an interesting point that when the president is being tried, the chief justice presides. That implies that if someone other than the president is being tried for impeachment, then someone else acts as the the judge in that impeachment process. Um, and then lastly, in order to be convicted, two-thirds of the members present in the Senate must concur before they're actually convicted. And that's when the impeachment is completed. Right, so when people refer to well, you know, Bill Clinton was impeached and Donald Trump was impeached, they were accused. They were never found guilty. They were never convicted of of what they were accused of. So let's go back to this question of you know why did Thomas Jefferson refer to the to the impeachment as not even a scarecrow? Well, back in eighteen o five, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Chase was impeached by the House, but not convicted in the Senate. And this perturbed Mr. Jefferson, which is why he came up with the statement that impeachment is not even a scarecrow. Um, But I have to consider, you know, a lot of people say Jefferson was wrong, but I have to begin to consider maybe Jefferson was right. But maybe not for the reasons that he thought. I'm not sure what he was thinking, but let's face it. Um, most impeachment discussions have little to do with the performance, or I should say less to do with the actual performance 
of the individual and more to do with politics. How many times have you heard, so, well, you know, we can impeach them, but the Senate would never convict them? Or, or how many times have you seen a, you know, maybe the Senate, someone in the Senate call for the impeachment, but the House, well, you know, they're not going to pass the House because they're the same political party as the majority, and it's never going to happen. Um, it's, again, it's one of those things that uh, has become a truism where we put political party, we put party politics above the oath to support the Constitution. So you have... Um, you have members of you. Know, you have was it uh, uh, attorney generals that uh, are convicted, or I should say, or at least accused of, um, uh, of it was a contempt of Congress of ignoring congressional subpoenas, and everyone's all upset. But you know what? Nobody ever does. Uh, nobody filed articles. Nobody impeached him. They, 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 you know, they, he was never impeached. Or you have secretaries of state that act criminally. Um, they commit a crime by. Uh, hiding information um, by intentionally subverting um, the the records keeping laws, um, but they're never impeached. A couple other interesting things: impeachment. Uh, there are certain things listed for what a an officer can be impeached for, and again, even these are often misunderstood. Uh, remember, it's. Uh, Treason and bribery. Well, those are pretty, they're pretty straightforward, although a lot of people misunderstand treason. Uh, according to the Constitution, um, and it's Article 3, Section 3, treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or adhering to their enemies and giving them aid and comfort. Meaning, just because you don't like what somebody does, that's not treason. Uh, just because you think, uh, you know, President Biden is not enforcing the laws regarding, you know, say the border or something like that. That's not treason. You have to actually either um, levy war or help the actual enemies. And by a public enemy, we don't mean someone who dislikes us, it means someone who's actually engaged in conflict with us. So, yeah, treason. Uh, bribery. Well, that's kind of, I always laugh at that one because pretty much the entire federal government runs on bribery. The idea of, you know, we'll get people to do things by offering them money to do what we want, do things the way we want, to change their mind on something because we give them money. That's the definition of bribery. But then we have high crimes or misdemeanors. And this is probably the most misunderstood. Uh, as I understand, it, a high crime is, is, is not simply um, uh, a felonious crime. It, it's, it's not a, a severe crime. It's a crime committed from a person in high office, from a person under oath, right? So that would be different. But a misdemeanor, see, today we think of misdemeanors as minor crimes. Misdemeanors in the 18th century didn't mean a crime. It meant bad behavior that didn't quite rise to the level of a crime. So yes, even bad behavior, you don't need to be convicted of a crime or even accused of a crime to be impeached. If your behavior is bad, you can be impeached. Granted, this almost never happens because, well, let's face it, if we actually, um, if we actually impeached uh, members of the federal government for their misdemeanors, we'd basically be impeaching everybody. And maybe that's what uh, Jefferson was thinking, is that uh, impeachment becomes a scarecrow, or not even a scarecrow, because 
even the threat of impeachment really doesn't mean anything because if you actually started impeaching people for their misdemeanors, everybody would be impeached, which means nobody would be impeached. Does that make any sense? So today we have two uh, impeachment processes moving forward. Uh, we have the um, the inquiry into the impeachment of Joe Biden. Those he has not been impeached. The House is considering it. They're doing an investigation, which I think is important because what's happened up until now has been a, a political kangaroo court. This at least gives them some semblance of legitimacy. There is a, a a congressional purpose, a legislative purpose that is considering whether or not uh, someone should have articles of impeachment filed and passed against them. And then we have the um, the impeachment process in Maine. Now, I know less about, I don't know as much about Maine law and all the details. So what I've heard is, again, this may be uh, a little bit of, um, uh, it may be a little bit of political retribution um, because of the way Maine goes about uh, setting up their 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 primary ballot, it, it actually is vetted by the Secretary of State. Uh, it was it was challenged. She had a hearing. She made a decision. Um, the only thing in that that I might they might consider impeachable is the fact that she said that uh, Donald Trump was disqualified under the Fourteenth Amendment, Section Three. Although. He's never even been charged with insurrection. She says there's evidence that he committed insurrection. That's a violation of due process. We'll see. Now, I also want to bring up, you know, um, in the last year, uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has offered several um, articles of impeachment to the House for consideration, and I've read them, and um, let's say I found them weak. Uh, I found them to be... Uh, more political statements than actual listing of treason, bribery, high crimes, or misdemeanors. Um, so, uh, it, again, it's become a political argument, which is why I actually want to bring in uh, uh, my guest, Michael Gerhardt. He, uh, he, he knows these things. He um, is familiar with constitutional law and impeachments and, and a lot of the legal and professional ethics around this. So after the break, we're going to have an, inter what I an interesting conversation with Mr. Gerhardt. Uh, before I go, though, please check out the website, constitutionstudy.com. It's where you can find out more about the Constitution Study. You can sign up for one of my mailing, many mailing lists. I'm getting more and more. Um, and I've tried to improve them over time, get more information, be more responsive to the considerations of the people that are reading them. Uh, you can also check out the Pagers program. There's a lot going on up there. Um, it's a great place to, to start. And if you have any questions, I love answering questions, especially here on the radio. Well, there's an Ask a Question button up there. Fill out the form. If you'd like me to answer it here on the radio, click the checkbox, and I'll be more than happy to do so. But again, you find that all at constitutionstudy.com. And of course, in the news lately, they've been talking more about uh, COVID and the spike protein. And um, you know, according to people I trust, this idea of vaccinated people shedding the spike protein of people having what they refer to as long COVID, um, it's real. And people are concerned about this this protein because it's it's toxic. It's harmful to the body, whether you get it through the vaccine or or from somebody else, whether it's natural, whether it's shedding. Well, the people at the wellness company 
have come up with a solution. They have a product called Daily Spike Support. It can be taken to protect yourself both against the effect of vaccines, shedding, and COVID. It's gluten-free, it's vegetarian, it's manufactured right here in the United States. It's backed by documented research and vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. So there's data. I keep telling you, look for the evidence. They have evidence to support their statements. You can find out more at the wellness company. You can find out more about it by going to americaoutloud.shop. But guess what? If you use the code out loud, you get 25% off products at the wellness company, as well as 25% off your first month of membership. Just use that code out loud. You can find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. Just look for the wellness company, look for spike support. You can find all the details. If you're concerned about uh, the, the spike protein because of a, of an, uh, of a quote unquote vaccination or an infection, or just you want to learn more, great place to go is the wellness company and please hang on through the break and afterwards we will have our interview with michael gerhardt the pandemic may be over for some but millions of americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from covid19 and the vaccines You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution Study Today we're talking about impeachment, and I'm pleased to have join me Michael Gerhardt. He is the Burton Craig Distinguished Professor of Jurisprudence at uh, Carolina Law. Uh, at Carolina Law, uh, he's written many, many books, and and he focuses a lot on uh, treaties. Uh, I'm sorry, impeachment, appointments, the the different you know, c- conflicts between the presidency and the in congress so i thought it'd be a really good opportunity to talk a little bit more about impeachment from well somebody who has studied it so michael thank you for joining us here at the constitution study thank you very much for having me 
I didn't read your full bio because, well, I didn't want to take the time on that. I really want to say, you know, it's in the news. We have, uh, was it last year, Marjorie Taylor Greene issued or, or submitted three, I think, articles of impeachment against different officers of the United States. We had the um, the, the whole investigation in, into the abuse of uh, of government that has finally led to uh, Speaker Johnson having a formal inquiry. And uh, then, of course, we have the, the news about the uh, representatives in Maine wanting to impeach their secretary of state for their decisions. So tell us a little bit about what, what is impeachment? What's its what's its purpose? And, uh, um, you know, why should we be concerned about its abuse, its use and abuse? Well, one of the reasons why the founders uh, created the United States was to ensure that in this country, no one was above the law. That was central to their rebellion against England. In fact, if you take a look at the Declaration of Independence, it sets forth 27 articles of impeachment against the king. The king was the only person in England who was not subject to impeachment. And impeachment could be uh, done by parliament against anyone, private citizens and anyone else for anything. Framers didn't like that. So the framers set out um, to ensure, as they showed in the Declaration of Independence, that as far as we're concerned in this new country, no one's going to be above the law. And impeachment's going to be crucial for that. So framers put impeachment into the Constitution to ensure that the highest ranking people in our government would be accountable for their most serious misconduct in office. And that's why we've got impeachment. It's a crucial safeguard for democracy. Uh, and it is an exception to elections. Uh, elections are not, in a sense, um, uh, substitutes for impeachment. Instead, impeachment is designed for anyone who becomes president because all presidents are subject to impeachment for treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. And, you know, it's interesting because, as I understand it, impeachment isn't so much a legal process as a political process, even though it follows a lot of the same patterns you would have in a court case. You have the accusation, the impeachment, you have the trial in the Senate. Um, and, and for that reason, it's used frequently, at least in my lifetime, as a political tool. Well, it is used as a political tool, but only rarely. Um, and it's a political tool only in the sense that the ultimate authority vests in Congress. But the process is spelled out in the United States Constitution. And when Congress sets out to uh, use this impeachment power, they need to, and they must, of course, follow the procedures set forth in the Constitution in order for their enterprise to be legitimate. So it's a unique constitutional process, uh, rarely used, um, but it has been used a few times against presidents, though uh, in no situation yet has any president been convicted and removed from office through impeachment. Right. And, and, and like I said, it's been used. Um, president Nixon resigned because he knew he was facing not only impeachment, he figured he was going to be convicted. So he rushed out. It, it, it was a purpose. And that's really its purpose, because unlike um, other processes in the pro you mentioned, it's not a substitute for election. Um, you can be you can win an election whether you're uh, been convicted of a crime or not. Uh, was it Marion Barry in the District of Columbia uh, won election? But unlike that, one of the punishments for 
impeachment is disqualification from holding federal office ever again. That's correct. And and one of the things that also characterizes the impeachment process is it's largely designed to deal with misconduct that is not addressable through through legal process, through a civil case or through a criminal case. So when we're talking about presidential impeachment, it's typically focused on maybe a serious crime the president has committed. Uh, that was one uh, circumstance with Richard Nixon, obstruction of justice. But it is also focused, impeachment's also focused on misconduct that can't be gotten at through any other way. So when a president abuses his powers, typically that doesn't break a law other than the Constitution. It, there's no civil case afterwards. There's no criminal case afterwards. So how do we get at that? Impeachment is the primary mechanism for getting at misconduct. For example, a president's interference with the election system. Um, uh, impeachment is available as a way to guard against that kind of misconduct. It's the, uh, you know, like I said, you talk about violating the Constitution. It's literally violating your oath of office is not a crime, but it is an impeachable. It, it is impeachable because in the 18th century, when, when the Constitution was written, misdemeanor meant bad behavior that didn't rise to a crime. So that's the, the point you're saying. So as you look at our current landscape, as crazy as it is, um, how do you, how would you grade right, as a professor? How would you, you grade uh, some of the, the, the actors in this drama uh, dealing with impeachment? And I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll to, to uh, Joe Biden and federal. I'm not going to ask you to get into a, a state impeachment because each state has a uh, variations on their impeachment processes in their own constitution. So how would you, how would you grade the class so far, say for like 2023, when it comes to impeachment? Well, nobody's passing yet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, I, I think the impeachment of Richard Nixon is as close as we ever have come to what I'll call a paradigm case, to a situation in which the process worked as it should have. There's uh, months of investigations by the House, by the Senate, and by a special prosecutor, all of which preceded uh, the authorization of impeachment inquiry. And then um, the misconduct that was established was so serious as to allow for Republicans to vote to impeach Richard Nixon. Uh, they did that on the House Judiciary Committee. And uh, Barry Goldwater, the senior Republican uh, in the Senate, told Nixon just a couple of days before his resignation, you haven't got the votes to survive conviction. Uh, so that system really worked, I think, as it should have. We have come some distance uh, from that. I think the effort to impeach Joe Biden is based, at least thus far, on no evidence. Uh, even Republicans have said that. Even the Republicans' expert witnesses in the one hearing that took place so far have said that. Um, instead, there's a lot of evidence about Hunter Biden, and there's a lot of hope and hatred against um, Joe Biden, but not credible evidence that he uh, abused office or engaged in uh, any kind of criminal misconduct, either before becoming president or later. In fact, the allegation against Joe Biden first surfaced as the defense that President Trump used in 2019. Uh, that defense basically was, look, Joe Biden's the real criminal. He's more criminal than me. Um, but that uh, didn't fly. Uh, There's no credibility uh, for that claim at the time, and there's no credibility yet 
for that claim now. It's just an effort, I think, to try and remove the seriousness from impeachment and just turn it into a kind of stunt uh, and therefore, thereby, in a sense, defang it. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, if Donald Trump's ever president again, uh, impeachment's already been broken. Now, kind of as a sidebar, because th this always pops into my mind when people talk about uh, evidence, um, there is a video recording of uh, Joe Biden um, using U.S. tax dollars to influence a foreign government. In his own words, he said he threatened the leadership of Ukraine, either you fire this prosecutor or you don't get the money. Um, now, a lot of people link that to uh, uh, the fact that the, comp the the prosecutor is going after the company that employed his son. I look at it very simply. Is not that the definition of bribery, offering money in exchange to change the mind of somebody else? Under certain, under the right circumstances, it could be uh, bribery. But I think the other thing to understand about Joe Biden is that when he said that and when he engaged in uh, his interactions with um, the Ukrainian leadership back when Biden was vice president, Biden was following U.S. policy. Um, and the chief prosecutor was widely thought to be corrupt. So what Biden was actually trying to do was to remove that prosecutor and put in a prosecutor who actually would go after criminal misconduct. Um, that's that's a very different story. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the story that has, uh, in a sense, withstood the test of time. And that's why I brought it up. I want I wanted to hear somebody. I wanted to hear the, the, the point of view. So we've talked about um, impeachment of presidents. What about of um, federal judges? Well, ju federal judges have been the most common subjects of impeachment in our history. Um, thus far, the only federal officials who've been convicted and removed from office through the impeachment process have been lower court federal judges. Um, and different reasons for that, one of which is there are very few mechanisms for holding federal judges accountable other than impeachment. You might be able to subject them to a civil or criminal case, depending on their misconduct, um, but they still would remain judges. Uh, and impeachment is the only way to, in a sense, remove them from that office. So uh, those cases, roughly eight, um, are the only instances we have where officials have been convicted and removed. With presidents, life gets more complicated, in part because they're leaders of political parties and because they actually have followers in the House and the Senate. And therefore, their impeachments are likely to be intertwined with political concerns. All right, let's let's look at the third branch of government, because, uh, again, Article 2, Section 4 says that the president, vice president and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed for impeachment. Now, how far does that those civil would a member of Congress, is they, are they considered a civil officer? Our understanding um, sort of has developed over time that they're not civil officers of the United States. And in fact, the first impeachment ever um, that was conducted by the first Congress involved a senator who had been expelled, a senator from my state of North Carolina, William Blunt. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, uh, Blunt was acquitted in the Senate, um, though a majority voted to remove him and disqualify him. And uh, 
and there, I think there was an absence of a supermajority, the two thirds you need for conviction removal, based in part on the understanding of members of the first Congress that senators are not civil officers and senators are not subject to impeachment. Indeed, Blunt had already been expelled from the Senate through an entirely different process. It doesn't make a lot of sense to think, oh, we can we can remove them two different ways. One is through the Senate, the other is through the House and the Senate. Um, not a terribly sensible uh, process, um, but more importantly, um, it's been understood since that fir attempted first impeachment that members of Congress are not impeachable. So then how would you define a civil officer of the United States? Roughly speaking, it's understood to refer to officials who have substantial policy-making authority within the executive branch. Okay. So that would include, for example, cabinet secretaries. Okay. Uh, 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 it might include other high-ranking people in the various departments of the executive branch. Um, but there's a point below which um, we're, we're not talking about such officials, but in fact, the people who work for such officials, um, for lack of a better word, we call them subordinate officers. So you're, you're talking about the the appointed positions, not the necessarily the the employee class or the employee group. Roughly, roughly speaking, yes. What about the other direction? What about going higher up? Are, are there is the president and vice president are they civil officers? Well, of course, the Constitution says, as you noted, president, vice president, and all civil officers. So the text of the Constitution never clearly indicates that the president and vice president are either officers of the United States or civil officers. Um, that's uh, a question that's been left open uh, for some debate. It is a question the Supreme Court may well get to uh, this term when they consider whether or not uh, Donald Trump is subject to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which has a procedure that's applicable to officers of the United States. Right. That's exactly where I was going with, with Section 3, because that's one of the main questions, um, because the the office of the electors for president is listed, but not president or vice president. So, uh, And senators and representatives are mentioned, too. Yes, exactly. So um, you're right. It's a little vague and and. Um, you know, sometimes we just love it to be black and white and it's, and it's not, uh, Michael, thank you very much. Where can my audience find out more about what you're doing and maybe follow some of the work that you do? Well, I, I, I can be reached on my website at, uh, University of North Carolina Law School. Just type in my name, UNC Law School. Um, this most recent book, The Law of Presidential Impeachment is available hopefully everywhere, including Amazon, Barnes and Noble and other places. Um, and obviously, through this podcast, you might be able to uh, find out more about me. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I will certainly include your bio, your full biography and, and your link to your website. Um, we've got a couple minutes left. Is there anything else you think my audience should know or you, you think it'd be worthy uh, of some time for them to consider? Sure. I mean, one thing I, do, I, I think there are a couple of things worth remembering. Um, the first is that with when we're talking about impeachment, when it's seriously undertaken, um, it focuses on misconduct, again, that is unlikely to be or maybe would not be uh, redressable through law. So we're talking about the abuse of power by a president that can't be redressed any other way. Um, I think the second thing to keep in mind is that 
the framers did not design the federal impeachment process to be just another political weapon and not to be a partisan weapon. They designed it to be used rarely, but for the most serious kinds of misconduct a president could commit. So I would suggest to those listening that if they want to develop a test for impeachment, take any example of a president, remove the last name and remove the political party and just ask yourself, okay, if a president were to have done this, how serious is that misconduct? And if we can do that even handedly without looking at, okay, what's the party or what's the name? We are coming closer to the framers ideal. Excellent. Well, Michael, thank you for your time. Uh, very helpful, very informative. I'm I'm sure my audience will like it. Uh, perhaps we'll have you back on sometime with uh, some other uh, constitutional questions, if not uh, impeachment questions. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you. So that was Professor Michael Gerhardt. Uh, you want to find out more, um, go to the show page. I'll have his full biography and I'll have links to a website where you can find out more and you can contact him. Speaking of checking out websites, please go to americaoutloud.news every day for news and information. But don't simply read. It's more important than ever that we share this information. That you, you find find a story, find a podcast, find a video, find an article that says something important, you know, the, the something that you really feel uplifting, or maybe something that really makes you mad, and then share it. Again, share it with friends and family, share it with, with social media. It's not important how big a following you have. I share whatever I can online so that other people can read it. I'm asking you to do the same. It's more than just sharing news, it's helping to secure the blessings of liberty. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. 
Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Michael Gerhardt. I, I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, he, he brings maybe a slightly different point of view than I do on something, but that's what I want. I, I want differing points of view, and I, I hope you're looking for differing points of view as well. And I hope you will take that information and consider it and look at the evidence for it. And uh, if you're interested, reach out to Mr. Gerhardt, maybe check out one or two of his books. But he was made, we both agreed on, on a point that, you know, impeachment is a political process, not a, um, not a legal one, and that it's not really being used well. And I think that's leading to uh, some craziness. You've probably heard that uh, <laughs> some guy, well, he, um, I guess he got into an accident outside the, the Supreme Court building of Colorado. Um, he uh, uh, ran into the Supreme Court building and set fire uh, inside the building. Um, apparently he had a, a, a handgun. He was armed. Uh, it was kind of crazy. And I do know a lot of, or I should say, I've heard a lot of people that uh, um, were saying, well, you know, maybe did somebody go over the top? Did they take this, this, uh, Fourteenth uh, Amendment thing with Trump? Did did did, did they go too far? Because um, it just happened. It was just it was just a, a couple weeks after the Colorado Supreme Court, you know, decided to take Trump off and then you know, postpone that until the the Supreme Court gets in. Um, I don't know. According to uh, law enforcement in Colorado, preliminary investigations. Say that the um, that that uh, the incident um, they they aren't showing any links directly to the uh, Supreme Court's decision on the uh, on the Fourteenth Amendment. Um, it could be coincidental. Uh, it could be related. Uh, I, I I suppose we should wait to see for the more evidence to come in. But at the moment, um, they said they saw no link between. Uh, this person's break in and the um, and and the the decision of the Supreme Court uh, a couple weeks ago, and then even the fact that that first came to mind. Now, granted, we're human beings; we tend to try and find correlation, uh, and we tend to turn it into causation. Um, I want to be a little careful and think pretty seriously uh, about that. Uh, something kind of parallel to the impeachment because that has to do with the legal um the legal conundrum the legal issues mr trump is currently dealing with and that really is a a question that got brought up uh, i guess it's a week or two ago by former ag edwin meese 
Now, I talked about this previously, but basically in a, in a amicus brief for a friend of the court brief, they argued that um, the prosecutor for the January 6th uh, um, attack, I guess, the, against the, 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 the charges against Donald Trump for uh, um, the January 6th attack, that uh, Jack Smith, that um, his position may not legally exist. In this brief, they point out that um, there's nothing in the Constitution that enables the Attorney General to appoint a private citizen to receive extraordinary criminal law enforcement power under the title of special counsel. See, Congress creates offices, not the Attorney General. So this office that the, that, uh, uh, the AG created uh, was done unconstitutionally, therefore the act is void, therefore um, Mr. Smith has no uh, law, criminal law enforcement powers under that act, um, and that brings up a very interesting question. How can he be prosecuting something if he doesn't actually hold an office? In fact, the way they put it in the, in the brief, Mr. Meese was joined by several others. Um, they said, not properly clothed in the authority of federal government, Smith is a modern example of a naked emperor. Illegally appointed, he has no more authority to represent the United States in this court or in the underlying prosecution than Tom Brady, Warren Buffett, or Beyonce. To me, that's interesting. That Again, from a constitutional standpoint, hadn't really thought about that way, but uh, there's, sound, there's reason behind that argument. The question is, um, who created the Office of Special Counsel? If it was the Attorney General, he had no legal authority to do that, therefore, Jack Smith is just an ordinary citizen and he has no legal authority to prosecute this case. If it was an office created by Congress, well then, okay, then may it, and, and they the Congress said that the Attorney General got to got to fill that office how he saw fit. Then there's an issue, but this should be interesting. Um, you know, I, I've never thought of Mr. Meese as a, a as a legal netwit, so I think he may have found something we hadn't thought of. And again, it's another reason why I say we need to listen to people of different points of view. They may see things that we never see. I, I'm I'm not saying that um, that you know Mr. Meese is smarter than everybody else, but it's a different point of view, and we need to be open to the difference. Why I say listen to people who disagree with you. They may expose something you had never thought of, and I think that's an important part to this process. So now let me take you back to something I asked uh, 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 Michael Gerbert, uh, Gerhardt, uh, and it has to do with the question of the office. It is the president, the office of president, a civil office? Uh, Jennifer Rubin was on MSNBC, and she was asked a question along this line. And listen to the question and to her response. Jen, I want to start with you. The case to remove Donald Trump from the ballot, it, it centers on the 14th Amendment. And that argument is, is basically that if this is one of the most important amendments in the Constitution. Do you think that failing to remove Donald Trump from the ballot devalues the 14th Amendment? It does, and it devalues the entire Constitution. If you read the Constitution and take it literally and historically and textually, you cannot escape the conclusion that he should be removed. 
Okay, she's making a very bold, definitive statement that this not only does damage to the to the 14th Amendment, but to the Constitution as a whole. But as I say, let's look for the facts. Let's look for the evidence. So let's listen to her and see what her facts, what facts she brings forth to support this idea that it's obvious that President Trump should be removed from the ballot. The president is an officer of the United States, or alternatively, he holds an office. Okay, this is one point that I actually agree with Ms. Rubin rather than Mr. Gerhardt. Um, he holds in office. Does that not make him an officer? Since he's not in the military, that to me would make him a civil officer of the United States. So I would, I would grant her that point as being constitutionally sound. He did provide aid and comfort to those who were seeking to do violence to the Constitution, and he therefore gets removed. Okay, here I think she's gone completely off the rails. The people, the majority of the people, I'm not saying there weren't some people on January 6th that had different ideas, but the purpose of the January 6th demonstration was not to do violence to the Constitution, it was to prevent violence already done to the Constitution, to minimize the effect of said violence. What violence was done to the Constitution? At least five states illegally appointed electors for President of the United States. Uh, again, read the Constitution. The, uh, um, the appointment of presidential electors is done in a manner determined by the legislature of the state, not by the court of the state, the judicial branch, not by the, the secretary of state or another member of the executive branch, by the, um, uh, by the legislature of the state, which was not done in at least five states, which brings that, election, that, that vote into question, which is what they were demonstrating about. They were also demonstrating about issues within the state, um, fraud they, they perceived within several of the states. That, to me, was the wrong place to do it. That's not done at the federal level. That should have been done at the state level. But again, they were not trying to overturn the Constitution. They were trying to enforce the Constitution, at least the vast majority of them. And she provides absolutely no evidence that, that's, that they were trying to overturn the Constitution. What they were actually talking about was, we want the, the, this election wasn't fair, we want it reviewed. I also would suggest, if Ms. Rubin's so worried about people reading the Constitution, she read this little thing called the Fifth Amendment that says, no one, no person can be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law which is defined, at least by the Free Legal Dictionary, as a judicial or governmental process designed to protect the rights of, the, of an individual. Your claim, simply because you claim he participated in an insurrection, simply because you claim the purpose of January 6th was to do damage to the Constitution, just because you claim that he gave them aid and comfort does not make it true. Without due process, it is actually those, is those who are denying Mr. Trump due process that are actually the ones violating the Constitution, doing damage, doing harm to the Constitution. So simply removing it because you claim this is true is itself a violation of the Constitution. There is no requirement in the 14th Amendment that he must be convicted before that, nor is there any requirement that Congress pass some kind of action. People sue under the equal protection and due process provisions of the 14th Amendment all the time, and therefore direct action under Section 3 is also possible. Again, she's correct. There's no requirement that he be convicted in you know, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. There's no requirement that Congress does an action, but there is a requirement for due process. 
In other words, there must be a process that protects the rights of the individual. That's why this really needs to be dealt with at the federal court level, a process in the courts where you can hear information from both sides, where you can decide whether or not was there was there actually an insurrection? Did Donald Trump participate or encourage or or help? It needs to be done publicly, not simply because some pundit has an has an agenda. Believe that just some pundit believes this is true is not good enough. But will this Supreme Court honestly interpret and apply the Constitution? I have my sincere doubts, and I think the best parlor game in Washington D.C. is trying to figure out how they're going to worm out of this or save Donald Trump. Did you notice the sleight of hand? All of a sudden, the only way the Supreme Court should answer, should respond is the way she wants. Now, she may believe that, but that doesn't make it true. Again, what evidence has she shown that this is true? What evidence has been reviewed? None. So the, the, the what, again, the, the, I shouldn't say none. The evidence is he asked people to peacefully protest and make their voices heard about the about the election no one talked about getting rid of congress no one talked about getting rid of the presidency nobody talked about about overturning the constitution but yet she's turned this into in her mind into insurrection and the only proper answer would be to disqualify him under the 14th amendment and if the supreme court can't do that well she all but said that they're illegitimate and and useless and that shows that this process again it's be it's a political process it's not being handled legally they're not following the constitution at least not until the we i do want to hear what the court has to say i'd love to hear the oral arguments to see what are the arguments for and against and um have a little bit of due process in this now this brings me up to one other question i want to i want to bring i want you to consider um before we go and actually I heard this. I read this in an article from Hans von Spakovsky, and really is the question: Will twenty? Will the twenty twenty four finally be a secure and honest election? And I have to say, no. I do not expect the twenty twenty four election to be secure, honest, fair, transparent. Why? Well, we've already seen meddling in the process. We've we've already got evidence of. Um, the FBI and others involving themselves in the in the election process, interfering with the election. We've seen prosecutors interfering with the election by trying to remove a candidate for an opposing political party. Sure, they claim they're doing it because of crimes that were committed by that individual, but so far they've not provided any evidence that it, that they've actually done that they've actually. Um, committed this crime. Their, their evidence is, well, it's weak at best. We have um, multiple uh, entities trying to remove a candidate from the opposition party's uh, primary. And now we have uh, a, a state Supreme Court and a state Secretary of State that have jumped in and said, yes, this is what we'll remove. Now, they've both suspended pending, uh, uh, I believe, the Supreme Court case. but the U.S. Supreme Court case, but we've seen them meddling in the process, trying to take away a choice from the American people, take away a choice from those who are members of the Republican Party. I don't, and, and, and 
this you add this to the the problems with the voter rolls the the continued uh, uh abuse and abuse of mail-in ballots the fact that nobody dealt with the um the evidence of ballot box stuffing that was shown through 2000 mules i see no evidence that we should expect a free fair and honest election in 2024 but before you throw up your hands consider this you want a free fair and transparent election get involved with your county board of electors get involved make sure your county election is free fair and transparent then and then and, and pretty much only then do you stand a chance of having some of the elections being free fair and transparent now, i hope you'll spend all of 2024 i'll come back every weekday at 4 p.m eastern time to listen to the constitution study on america out loud talk radio heard on the iheart radio network if you can't listen then join the podcast you can you can listen on your favorite podcast app the episodes come a day or two after they're heard on talk radio but please subscribe to the show even if you listen to it live subscribe to the show leave me ratings and reviews especially on apple Podcasts. helps other people find the constitution study as well Find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But please share them wherever you can. Friends, family, social media, wherever you can. Because by doing so, you're helping to share the blessings of liberty. 